Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. There are other things we want to forecast. Uh, whether the liberal fortunes, you know, on this matter of the Mark Norman case, uh, rather interesting. We're just discussing briefly with Anthony Fury in the last hour. Where's this all going? More to the point, uh, what are the questions that still remain to be answered? I know that Lisa Raitt, the deputy leader of the opposition, did bring up this specter yesterday, and I wanted to get Lisa in here to uh, follow up on that thread. And so we have, just ahead of our panel and topics worthy of discussion, Lisa Raitt has joined us, you know her as the MP for Milton. Lisa, good to have you on The Oakley Hi. Show. Thank you very much, Sean. So, Lisa, uh, let's start with just that open-ended question. I mean, uh, when it comes to more issues that need to be addressed as far as this case is concerned, it's not going away anytime soon, I surmise. Well, I don't think so, because clearly um, Admiral Norman said yesterday that he believes that he is an important story to tell, that Canadians want to hear it, and he thinks that Canadians should hear it. So we're going to wait to hear what he has to say about his process. First and foremost, I mean, what people need to understand is what he said, and it's very true, he was presumed guilty. He was presumed guilty by the prime minister who said that this would end up in charges or this would end up before the courts, even before the investigation was concluded. And when he went to the Department of National Defense to ask for his legal fees to be paid, they said, no, you are guilty of leaking confidential information. He never was allowed the presumption of innocence. He was forced to hire investigators, to hire high-powered lawyers in order to prove his own innocence and clear it. That is not the way it should work in Canada for anyone, let alone the second-in-command of the Canadian forces. All right. Do you smell a civil suit then? I'm going to leave that to the, the legal um, advice from Marie Heenan. She's going to give uh, Admiral Mark Norman great advice, I'm sure, and uh, they will figure out. But I believe him when he says that he wants to return to public service and he wants his job back, and I, and I believe that to be true. He's fought for two and a half years to get his job back and clear his name. Well, it was interesting that you also couched it as he has an important story to share with Canadians. I mean, where have we heard that before? <laughs> Indeed. I mean, his words, too. These are his words. And, you know, Marie Heenan yesterday, when she was giving, when she was taking part in the press conference, definitely um, referred to and referenced the SNC-Lavalin matter, where Jody Wilson-Raybould was pressured to put pressure on the public prosecution service and she withstood therefore she was punished and in this case you know mark norman was trying to clear his own name and they came at him with full power full cannons at at the whole time to try to put him away and one thing is um you know in the case of jody wilson raybould she lost her cabinet position she was removed from she was moved from the liberal caucus if mark norman was not able to put together the investigation and get the documents finally that he needed he was facing, if found guilty, a five-year term in jail. John, I mean, this is serious stuff. It's not, it's not trumped-up charges. These are real charges that he and his family were facing. And I can imagine it took an incredible toll on him. Again, with Lisa Raitt, Deputy Leader of the Opposition, you say they came at him. Uh, does that imply that you feel there was political interference? Because that was even denied by Marie Hennon yesterday. What she denied was, and it's a very, it's a very specific point, and I agree with her, fun, I agree with her totally, what she said is that the, the Crown Attorneys, the Public Prosecution Service, was not 
politically told what to do or what not to do in either bringing the charge or dropping the charge. Where there's clear political interference is the Prime Minister refusing to give the records over to Mark Norman, the Prime Minister refusing to waive the Cabinet confidence needed in order for him to get the records to clear his name. Well, isn't that obstruction? Wouldn't that be obstruction, though? Well, that's why she ended up going to court over and over and over again to try to make the judge tell them to give the documents over. And that's why she was going to bring her own motion to have this whole thing dismissed because they were abusing their power and they wouldn't give over the documents that he is owed as a duty of disclosure. When the public prosecutors finally got the documents that the that the defense had to secure from other sources, they said, oh, my gosh, we don't have a case here. We're going to withdraw the charges. Well, that's the curiosity to me, and maybe you can answer this, because uh, as they stated yesterday in staying the charges, they actually got these documents back in March. So what might they have found out in March that they had to hang on to for two months before they rendered a decision? I'm sure that they took their time to go through all the elements of the offense. They took a look at all the documents that the RCMP gave to them, all of the other information that they had to come to the conclusion. Also, I do believe that it is possible that they had to ask permission of the Attorney General to withdraw the charges. I'm not sure of that, but I think I heard something in the testimony from Jody Wilson-Raybould that implies that the Director of Public Prosecutions has to send a note up to the Attorney General when they're making a decision that has a public interest. All right. Uh, You did ask the question yesterday as well, and I'm curious about this. Why the file was transferred to Halifax to get a charge laid? The great question. Um, You know, that was reported by the CBC or somebody else a couple of years ago. And uh, I find it curious that in Ottawa they couldn't get a charge, but when a federal prosecutor in Halifax took a look at the file, they decided that they were going to press the charge. And uh, it's just all very curious. This thing just takes so many twists and turns. But the good news is he doesn't have to go through a trial. The good news is he is exonerated. The bad news is, is that I believe that this government and Justin Trudeau used their power and influence to try to railroad a guy in a, in a case where he could end up with five years in jail for doing nothing. It's atrocious. Well, it really is. If people were upset about SNC-Lavalin, they should be furious about the Mark Norman case. If it can happen to him, it can happen to anyone. And thank goodness he had the ability and the money to hire a lawyer who was able to get him a basically exonerated through their own work. Did you read anything into the fact that uh, he was embraced on the courthouse steps by Andrew Leslie, uh, the MPP, the MP, the Liberal MP from up Ottawa way, who's decided he's not going to run again, and also a, a military colleague of uh, Mark Norman's? Did you read any, anything into that? I did. What I read into it is that um, the former three-star general realized exactly that what was going on and that Mark Norman did not have it within his ability to do what they accused him of doing. And the fact that the Department of National Defense and the Cabinet, 73 people knew about this result. 73 people knew about the decision of Cabinet to freeze this whole contract, and they only gave one name to the RCMP, and it was Mark Norman. That sounds a little suspect, doesn't it? Well, which raises the other interesting question, because it seems like it's almost flying under the radar, but uh, how does Scott Bryson factor in all of this? In two ways, um, and these are factual matters, so I hope nobody thinks they're going to sue me right now. The number one way is when the letter was received from Irving as a a business seeking to have their ability to get into a competition. It was Scott Bryson who fought for it at the cabinet table, is our understanding, to, to make sure 
that they uh, were able to consider the letter and, and put a freeze. That was He wanted to do more due diligence, he said, so I think that's an important piece. And secondly, Scott Bryson was the primary um, cabinet minister who gave an affidavit, an interview to the RCMP, upon which the RCMP based their charges. So he had the ability to point fingers. He had the ability to say how important this was, uh, and that's why he was involved in that one as well. And then, of course, if you follow the prime minister's point of view, it was Scott Bryson deciding to leave government and move to public private sector that caused him to want to move Jody Wilson-Raybould and brought whole, the whole SNC laveling down around his head. So I don't, I don't, I don't ascribe to the point of view that Scott Bryson's um, the root of everything that's the problem of the Liberal government. I just think it's, it's interesting that his name does come up. Well, and coincidentally, Jerry Butts also exited the scene. Uh, do you see uh, his deft hand allegedly behind the bullying uh, tactics that obviously were in play here? Well, here's another interesting point that came out only as a result of the fact that um, the lawyers for Mark Norman called uh, General Vance, who's the chief of defense staff, to the to the stand and had him testify. And he said that the day that he relieved Admiral Norman of his of his duties, he um, had a meeting with the prime minister. He had a meeting with Jerry Butts and Katie Telford, went to dinner with Katie Telford and Jerry Butts and made not a single note about any of the discussions that he had regarding the relieving of duties of the second in command of the Canadian forces. I find that astounding. So I would assume that that's what they talked about the entire time and whether or not they were satisfied with the way it was going. Very callous if that's what happened, uh, because, as I said before, this carried a, a penalty of imprisonment for five years. Do you think a royal commission is necessary to further the inquiry? I I would be, I'm actually uh, I'm disappointed in both um, David Lametti as the Minister of Justice and Attorney General, and I'm disappointed in Ralph Goodale as Minister of Public Safety for not wanting to ask their arms-length organizations to give them assurances that they did everything they could do properly to ensure that a proper investigation took place and that they weren't influenced one way or the other. There should be a report coming up from staff. I would ask for that kind of internal report because there's some serious, I mean, this is a serious matter, John. This is something that is so um, transparently wrong that he had to go through two and a half years of fighting with his own government in order to get the documents he needed to prove his innocence. It's like a Law & Order episode, for God's sake. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. Well, uh, to be continued, I guess. Uh, I really appreciate your spelling it out for us, Lisa. Thanks so much. Anytime. Thanks a lot, John. Take care. You got it. Lisa Wright, Deputy Leader of the Opposition, the MP for Milton. Okay, so the plot thickens. As you can see, uh, there are still many attendant questions. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.